This is Very Public Affairs, the podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Very Public Affairs. I'm Joe Burke from the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. This week's episode is all about China, as the Centre's Executive Director Wayne Burns interviews the Australian Financial Review's China correspondent Mike Smith. They talk about the importance of Australian business executives understanding China, the ways in which they can do so, and the climate for Australia-China trade relations in the near to mid-future. Michael, thanks for joining uh, the pod today, uh, all the way from Shanghai. We're very grateful that uh, you're able to, to set aside the time among your busy schedule. Yeah, thank, thanks very much, Wayne. Looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, so uh, we're wondering how important do you think it is for uh, Australians in senior positions in business to, to understand China? And uh, we hear about China being such an important influence uh, globally, economically, and here in Australia, it's, it's a very big trading partner, a very big purchaser of our um, our agricultural goods and, and our resources, and we buy lots of uh, Chinese uh, goods. Um, but beyond that, there's a lot about China that Australians and Australian business, often you talk to them, they don't understand that the political system, the, the socio-political forces, um, the fact that China is not really one China, it's a, it's a, a competing, there's lots of competing influences in, in China as well. And you've been there for, for well over a year now. Why do you think it's important for Australians in senior positions to, to understand China and, and what's going on there? And, and why do they really need to understand? Yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, it's, it's obviously in, incredibly important. And as you know, I mean, Australia's economic well-being is, is so closely aligned to China. You know, a third of our exports go to China. Our currency is linked to China and to, to, to commodities. And, and the, you know, the property prices are in, in Sydney, Melbourne and elsewhere are, are linked to China. So just about everything China uh, does these days influences um, Australian Australian jobs and, and how we live our lives, but um, but but as you said, I mean it's a very complex uh, country and it's often misunderstood by people in Australia and and um, and I found I mean I've been here for a year when I find when I go back home. Um, people, people aren't always that interested in China, or it's not that they're not interested. It's it's just a very complex uh, place to for people to get their heads around. Um, it, it's got a very complex uh, political system, as, as you know, with, with the ruling Communist Party. Uh, the way the economy is managed is is not exactly opaque, and it's often uh, difficult to understand. So I so I think a lot of people, it, it's not a US, it's not Europe. Uh, the way the place is managed uh, is is so different. It's it's very hard for a lot of people in Australia to understand if they sort of haven't spent time here. Um, I mean, I found after a year the people always said this to me this uh, before I arrived. The the longer you're in in China, the less you know, and um, it does feel like that some days. It's a very uh, it's it's a very complex system, but um, but. But it's hugely important for for Australian, uh, you know, for for Australia's political leaders and Australian companies to to get their head around this place because sort of just about everything that happens here uh, influences uh, influences what's happening back in Australia. 
Do you think there's a realization of that? You'll find high awareness of, of China or as much as awareness that, that there can be for companies trading there. Uh, but do you speak to other companies uh, about China and, and especially boards and senior management teams are saying, and they say, well, we don't do business there. Why, why do we need to be an expert on, on China? What's your view of the value of senior executives and boards better understanding what's happening in China to actually you know, manage a business in Australia? Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's, there's obviously a, a handful of Australian companies who, who know China extremely well, you know, huge amounts of experience here, you, you know, the A2 Milks, the Blackmores, the BHP and, and Rios, and they've obviously got a handle uh, on, on how things work here. But, but for everyone else, there uh, there isn't a lot of deep knowledge about China. And I mean, I think this debate's been going for sort of five years or so, and um, certainly a lot of companies and boards and, and, and directors have told me that they, they really want to understand China better. Um, there's, there was been a big push by boards to sort of send directors up to China and to meet as many companies and, and officials as they can to sort of get a handle on things. But, but I think um, some of this sort of contact is a bit superficial. People might sort of pay one visit here or, or read a bit of material about China, but um, that doesn't really... Uh, plug the gap and um, so you know it's really surprised me how little uh, many Australian companies know about China I mean, I've met executives senior executives who who come up here and they sort of look on the place as being a bit of a cash cow um, this sort of assumption you can just sort of walk in set up shop and and make a lot of money but as as some companies find out the hard way it is so much more complex uh, than that the regulatory system is just um, vastly complicated and the rules can change uh, without warning. The legal system, um, you know, is certainly not reflective of our own. I mean, you can sign a contract to do business in China and, and as one, um, one senior executive who's lived here for 20 years, she told me last week, she said, look, signing a contract here is just the beginning of the journey. Um, it, it doesn't set out all the ground rules as, as it would in Australia. Um, so the only rule way around this is depends how much time you want to invest in China. I mean, I, ideally, if you're a large company, you you employ people who have lived here for a long time or, or have deep experience with China, and, and they can advise you and um, sort of give you give you good advice and make decent recommendations, or you know, or, or actually move here and spend as much time here as possible but obviously you know people don't always have that much time to invest. Yeah, as I remember talking to a, a, a vice minister there uh, a couple of years ago in the central government and uh, um, she was making uh, she was asked you know what, what what do you need to companies need to have a good relationship with China and she said well we've been waiting 6,000 years for the world to recognise uh, that uh, we are indeed a, um, a, you know, a, a leading force in the world um, and we're becoming that economically and that's taken a lot of patience and that's, that's what you're going to need as well, a time and patience uh, to, to have success in China. So that, the political establishment but also the business environment there does demand attention and does demand relationships, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. That's that seems to be the number one piece of advice you get from uh, executives that have lived here for sort of decades. It, it's all about the relationships, all about building uh, up that trust, and um, and unfortunately that can take uh, years to build up. I mean, I was uh, I've done a couple of stories with with the Australian company Lend Lease, and and they've um, they're building a big aged care project in 
Shanghai, but they were up here for years. They were trying to find local partners to get this business off the ground. That didn't quite work. And sort of several years later, they decided to, to go out on their own. And it took, you know, months and months of endless meetings and, um, and particularly building up that trust uh, and respect with the local government authorities in Shanghai where, where they wanted to build this project. So you've, you've sort of got to build up that trust and relationship with not only with the local government authorities, but with any sort of business partners that you're doing with and doing that with. And, um, you know, this, this can involve going to, to endless banquets and, and building up sort of a bit of a personal uh, rapport uh, with, with, with people in China, which is the way they do business here. Yeah, so we we we, we call, call it personal rapport, and that they call it guangxi, isn't it? It's that guangxi, uh, yeah, yeah, which is the the, the personal cachet uh, that you have. Yeah. Uh, so keeping that in mind, what what what's your view of the the sort of short and mid term outlook for for two things? I, I guess Australia China economic relations and. Also, the prospects for Australian businesses uh, who are doing business in China at the moment. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can look at this two ways. There's the political relationship, which is in in the news a lot. That's sort of that's very volatile. That that's up and down. Things seem to be reasonably smooth at the moment, but that can shift any time. And then you've got the the economic and and the trade relationship, which is which is actually a lot more stable. So, despite the, sort of the headlines you see. Um, the relationship between big business and China has remained relatively smooth. I mean, I, I sort of see a lot of business, Australian business uh, executives in China regularly, and they're, they're becoming more cautious, but they're not um, they're not sort of terrified of any major change yet. It's not like people are, are planning to pack up shop here. But I think the mood has shifted a bit in the last year or two. I think people are a lot more cautious now. Uh, than they than they used to be. People are very worried about uh, this dispute around Huawei and how that's going to affect uh, the business relationship further down the track. Um, and there's no doubt the economic relationship is tied to to the political relationship. But I think in the short term, um, China still wants our major exports. They still want our dairy products. They still want our vitamins. You've still got this um, booming middle class. Um, and while the economy is slowing here and consumer spending is slowing, um, you know, a lot of these imports from Australia are still restricted to those tier one cities. So, so there's a bigger market out there um, as the Chinese consumer sort of becomes more sophisticated. And, and then, of course, our most important exports are sort of iron ore and coal. Um, there are some stories around this week that um, Australian coal imports into Australia are taking longer to clear customs. So there's a little bit of concern there, but um, no one's predicting a sort of dramatic drop off in um, in exports there either. Um, uh, there, there's iron ore, which is sort of continues to be important. That exports of iron ore to China are likely to stay flat this year. But, um, but China is also ramping up infrastructure spending again to sort of counter this slowing economy. So so there's a chance that that will sort of help uh, iron ore imports into China. So, so on that note, things look reasonably positive. Um, but on the other side, the political situation is worrying Australian businesses. I mean, a lot of Australian businesses here, as well as US businesses and Canadians, say it's getting harder to operate in China. Um, um, while the rhetoric out of Beijing is is 
is all about sort of reform and opening up and, and letting more foreign companies come in here. The reality on the ground is that, that there's a sense that China does want to protect its own companies uh, and it's going to get harder for foreign businesses to come in here. They're changing the tax rules. They need less expats here than, than they used to. Um, so all those, those factors aren't making it any easier as well. You're listening to Very Public Affairs, the regular podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. The Centre is a membership by company organisation comprising 150 member corporations across Asia Pacific. We work with our members to disseminate international best practice on managing corporate public affairs. And we offer and deliver professional development to public affairs practitioners globally including via our online learning platform. The Centre also conducts research into managing the function. Follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn or visit us at www.accpa.com.au or download the Centre's app, which is available both on iTunes and Google Play. So, Michael, how would you recommend that businesses here in Australia and across Asia-Pacific, for that matter... Uh, and especially at the C-suite and the board level, better understand what's happening in China. You talked about some companies requiring directors and senior management to spend time there. That's sort of transactional, isn't it? That's not a long-term fix. What would you recommend to senior executives and to governments and to corporations to get a grip on the influence of China on macroeconomic and trade relationships? And also on individual companies. Yeah, those relationships are really important. And sort of Australia's relationship with China, yeah, obviously needs to be viewed in the context of also what's happening with the US and, and Japan and, and all of China's other major trading, trading partners. So, I mean, particularly the US-China situation at the moment is, is probably the single most important, um, you know, economic or um, business-related issue sort of going on in the world at the moment. So, I mean, the outcome of the US-China trade talks is is going to influence uh, Australia as well. So, businesses really need to be aware of that. I mean, there's there's still a risk if China does a does a trade deal with the US, this could actually affect um, some of Australian Australia's agricultural imports and other imports into into China. So. Uh, we need to look look on this uh, look on this as a whole. But in terms of what companies can do here, and, and as I said before, I mean getting people on the ground here is uh, is ideal. But um, I mean I think there's a real lack of talent on Australian boards, and the Australian Institute of Company Directors and, and others have sort of uh, noted this. That there's not a lot of Australian board directors who have a lot of experience in Asia, and that, that's really lacking. I mean, the, the talent pool should be there. We've got, um, you know, we've got this army of, um, of Chinese students who study in Australia, and many of many of them stay on. And um, there's a lot of talented Australians who have spent time in in this part of the world. So whether they could be utilised. Um, utilised as well at, at, a, at a board level, at an advisory level, that, that could probably help. It seems, and you definitely would have come across it at the time, that the Asia Century white paper that was published during the Gillard government had lots of good recommendations about 
uh, and, and practical recommendations, lots of practical actions recommended about how Australia could better engage with Asia Pacific, but with China in particular. Now, I'm not sure where we've forgotten about that or who's stewarding that at the moment, but there doesn't seem much coordinated federal government policy around that. I, I wonder if you've got any insight into that. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. I mean, I remember writing about uh, Julia Gillard released that paper some years ago and we wrote a lot of uh, columns about it and uh, it just absolutely disappeared. And, um, you know, I mean, I think Labor are, are talking about um, um, sort of reviving some of those policies. And I know I know Chris Bowen's um, spent a bit of time in China and I think behind the scenes, uh, Labor sort of is, is working on a China plan. I mean, I think in the last few years, there has been a, a bit of a vacuum in terms of um, Australia's political relationship with China. It, it uh, hasn't helped that we were sort of in, the, in, in a bit of a deep freeze um, sort of a year or so ago, and it was very hard for Australian ministers to, to get visas to come to China. That, that sort of seems to have shifted at the moment, and um, we've had a few ministers up here recently, but um, there, there sort of hasn't been a, a coherent... Uh, China policy out of Canberra. I mean, the, the, the security concerns and the concerns about China's soft power have sort of obviously dominated the, the debate um, o- over the last 18 months. And um, whereas sort of some, some of the trade and economic issues have been overshadowed a bit. I mean, we obviously signed the, the free trade agreement, uh, which, which was a, a very good deal for Australia. But, but sort of since then, uh, nothing much has happened, so it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what happens to the next election and, and how that affects Australia's uh, relationship with China. I mean, the view from China towards domestic uh, Australian politics, and it's quite surprising uh, how much a lot of Chinese officials here know about Australia. I mean, a lot of people in China, their kids go to university in Australia and they're quite interested in the in the place, so they do follow uh, the politics quite closely. Um, so, so I think there's an expectation that, that the election will sort of be a bit of a reset and, and an opportunity to sort of strengthen some of those economic ties with China. But uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Well, Michael, thank you very much for your time and insights. We encourage all our listeners, of course, to keep reading your excellent columns and dispatches from China and our best wishes for the rest of your time there. Great. Thanks for the plug, Wayne, and and always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode of Very Public Affairs, subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. For more, visit the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs website at www.acpa.com.au.